be uh, looking at. But anyway, uh, we just uh, thank God for His Word tonight. If you would stand with us one more time for the reading of the Word of God. 1 Samuel 17, and we're going to start reading at verse number 45. And we're going to read here a few verses. And I know that uh, for many you're familiar with uh, this story, this passage of Scripture. But uh, there are some things here that I believe the Lord would help us to look at and see as uh, we've been looking at that life, amen, of victory. Hallelujah. If you're there with me, won't you say amen? The Bible says, Then said David to the Philistine, meaning Goliath, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day, Will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air, into the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth, listen to this, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Amen. And all this assembly shall know. That the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took Thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead. That the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword drew it out of the sheath, and slew him, and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose, and shouted, and pursued the Philistines, until thou come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way to Sharon, even unto Gath, and unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. Amen. Last week we talked about that victories are earned in our personal experience. Amen. In the experiences that we are up against. The giants that we face. The trial, the tribulation that we are in. And tonight, if I can, we're just going to finish this particular piece that we've been preaching on. The victorious Christian life. And we're going to preach on encouraged in the experience. Amen. And uh, believe the Lord to help us tonight. Can we pray together one more time? Father, we thank you for your word. I pray it go forth in power and anointing as we know that it will accomplish what it's sent to do. Anoint our hearts and ears to hear, my mind, my lips to preach, to deliver your word as would bring you glory. 
And Father, we'll be quick to give you thanks and praise for what you'll do. And truly, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated tonight. At one point in time, it had been said by so-called experts. How many of you ever, have you ever got a good chuckle or uh, kind of shook your head at the recommendation or the so-called insight of experts. Anybody here? Has it just ever been, has it ever just dumbfounded you? First of all, at sometimes what you hear and how they ever were deemed an expert. Amen. In their field. There are some things that are just complete nonsense. There are some things, uh, Brother Coleman, that I hear and I'm thinking to myself. I mean, do they just sit around and decide to come up with something so preposterous, so ridiculous, amen, because they think maybe that if they just go to the extreme of something, that it is, uh, it, it's uh, just gobbled up so quickly. We know that uh, they, uh, there's some that uh, they delight in fear tactics, and they delight in you know trying to be, uh, to try, trying to create a frenzy amongst people. And uh, but it's amazing to me as to what is deemed as expert opinion. Well, years ago, uh, there was expert opinion. As uh, as men were running in races, uh, that uh, nobody had reached the uh, the record or had set the precedence of running a mile under four minutes. There were those who had gotten close, and there were those who who were bordering upon being able to do that. And because for so long, brother Gary, nobody had been able to break that record and run a four minute mile or under the experts and the scientists and the and the, the those that were dealing in the regards of of uh, the uh, uh, athletic physiology and and uh, the anatomy and all of these things they had said that surely it's impossible because if a man were to do that that his heart would explode that's what they had said until the record had been broken. Until somebody had done something that went against what all the experts said. And that is what exactly had happened. Amen. When the four minute mile had been reached. And not very long after the four minute mile record had been set. There were those that began to break that record consecutively. And the so called experts had to go back and uh, and. Uh, retract their statements because there began to be a whole slew of people whose heart did not explode, they did not fall over dead, but rather not only did they set records but men came along thereafter and began to break those records. But I want you, I share that story in order to say this to you tonight is you see those records even despite the expert opinions and despite what scientists believed would happen we come to find that it just took one man who would
would be willing to push the boundary. It took one athlete who would be willing to give it a try. It took one person who was willing, if I can use the term, that would go the extra mile and push beyond what was claimed to be human limits and set the record, live to tell the story, amen. And after that, Brother Tobin, there were others that got around and they were looking at this man and they said, you know what? If he did it, surely I can do it. If he was able to do this, and not only, Brother Eli, was he able to do it, but he survived in doing it, then I believe that I can too. We could talk about not only the the, the fastest miles that have been ran, but there was also times as to where it was believed that Mount Everest could not ever be climbed, that nobody could reach the summit because for so long there were those who had tried to do so that died along the way. That mountainside was littered with bodies throughout the course of years that had now been decomposed by the weather. And it was another memorial of somebody who tried and failed until it came to a point as to where Sir uh, uh, Edmund Hillary or Hillary Edmund, I might have that backwards, as to where he made the summit and lived to tell it. And now we find that multiple times throughout a given year there are folks that will climb to the top of Everest to be able to say that they climbed and made the summit. All of these things and there are other things, amen, that we could share with you tonight that is a testimony of the fact that because one person had made uh, uh, made themselves ready to take something on that believed that they could do so, that believed that such a thing could be accomplished. And when it was, it spurred about encouragement. It spurred and spawned courage in the life of others around them to cause others to believe that it was possible. We were talking last week in regards in this victorious Christian life. We have been preaching in these last few services in regards to the fact that too many times we're finding in our church age today where there is more of being enamored with victories of the past, of the forerunners and the forefathers of the faith. Yes, I thank God for encouragement of the scripture. I thank God to read the stories of Peter, James, and John, the Apostle Paul, Moses, and Elijah, and David. I'm glad and I can be encouraged and I can be spurred on, amen, by those in regards in my own family and giants of the faith in my own life who showed me what it was to have a testimony, who showed me what it was that I could live for God righteously and victoriously. But as I had preached a couple of weeks ago. We cannot just live with the echoes of victory. We cannot live in just the idea that well that was once then because there are some that the enemy has convinced you that victory is not for you. 
that what's going on in your family, what it is you've been dealing with, the situation you've been involved in, oh, that's for somebody that you're going to always suffer that. You're going to always be in that situation. You're always going to be in that place. Amen. Oh, but I want you to see and understand, Brother Gerard, you might be needed in the foyer, if you would, brother. Uh, We come to find and see as to where we come to a place and we recognize and realize, amen, that hell will scream those things in your ear and want you to live in a defeated place. And some would think that victory is not available for them today. But we have come to find and understand, oh, that I want you to know tonight, amen, that victories, they are going to be earned through the experience, amen, as we walk with God. Brother Eli, is there some tears? Oh, Sister Polly, is there is some calluses on our knees? Sister Anna, in the midst of confusion and clouds and times when we don't understand, when it's your family, when it's your marriage, when it's your children, when it's your parents, when it's your church, and there's times it seems our backs are up against the ropes. Oh, friends, it is in those points we cannot look oh, to those who had had victory behind us, but it's there where victory is going to be earned in our place, in our prayer closets, in our worship, in our faithfulness, in the place, amen, where we will apply ourselves. Last week we found where David stood on that battlefield while the armies of Israel hid in the foxholes and they thought for sure nobody could go up against this Philistine. Nobody could go up against Goliath and it took a young shepherd boy who said hang on a second. He said who is this one who will stand there and defy the armies of Israel. Saul tried to talk him out of it. David's brothers tried to talk him out of it. All of the others said you're going out there and you're going to commit suicide. Oh but I'll tell you right now David stood and said I have earned some victory by way of personal experience. He told Saul he said I killed that lion and I killed that bear by way of the hand of the Lord. As a matter of fact he said the Lord delivered them into my hand. And he said this giant will be like them. Oh and we find that David stood not in his own confidence but he stood in the confidence of the fact that if God had done it for him before that God will do it again and that he is faithful to meet us in those places. Hallelujah. Earned experience. It's funny as to where how quickly we and we and I'm just highlighting a few of these things that we have already said but we will run from when there's pain, when there's problem, when there's chaos. We try to hide from it. We don't want to deal with it. We want a safe place. Amen. We have a generation. We, uh, I remember when a particular political co- candidate won the election a few years back that uh, we had some young people that were so disturbed, that were so disheartened that they had to bring in service dogs to college campuses so they could pet puppies. And they had to bring in coloring books. I'm not kidding you. Had to bring in coloring books and crayons so that they could 
color their fears away. Friends, I'm going to tell you, for the most part, as a nation, we're in trouble. Come on. And I want to tell you, now we can sit and we can amen and we can agree with that. We can shake our heads and say, yeah, that's in our universities and that's in our college campuses and it's in our schools. But I'm going to tell you, it's that spiritually speaking, the same thing happens and the same attitude is adopted in the church. Amen. I'll go to church as long as everything's good in my life. I'll worship God as long as all of my needs are met. I can be saved as long as I've got money in the bank and the kids are good and their good grades are good and our health is good. I can have revival as long as a marriage is okay and, and as long as everybody likes me. I, I, can, I can serve Jesus as long as Brother Jake keeps preaching the things I want to hear and they keep singing the songs I want to sing and and they have the air conditioner set at the right temperature the way. Amen or oh me. Come on here. Oh, I can, I can live for God then, but you let something go wrong. You let somebody cross me. You let somebody not shake my hand. You let the pastor act like he hadn't seen me in a couple of weeks. You act like, hey man, if you just give me a point or a time and, and I could tell you everything going wrong in my life and oh Lord, I, I just need everything perfect. We come to find folks that are in dire situations or they're in conflict or if things aren't going our way we will run we will hide and friends I want to tell you no victory is earned there we can sing victory in Jesus all day long but you've heard me say it before there is no victory unless you have been in a fight there's no crown given unless you've been contending oh I want you to understand but with the Lord's help with his strength I want to tell somebody that maybe you've been on the cusp of wanting to walk away. Maybe you have said it's too hard. Maybe you have said, I don't know what God is doing. I want to tell you, hold on, my child, because joy comes in the morning. I want to tell you, stand on the battlefield. Face that enemy. Keep praying. Keep believing God because God is in the business of moving on behalf of his children. Hallelujah. David said, I've earned, I've earned these scars. I've earned these stripes, so to speak. Oh, David didn't have things handed to him on a silver spoon. As a matter of fact, he was despised in his own family. Brothers couldn't stand him. Dad barely acknowledged him. Didn't even get counted in the lineup when the prophet showed up at the house. Saying, we're going to anoint a king amongst your sons. Nobody called for David to the very end when the man of God said, Do you have any boys left? Because it ain't none of these standing here. Oh, oh yeah, we got David, but you, I don't think you want him. But David, David had been out there and he had been earning his victory. 
he had been earning. Well, Brother Jacob, I thought that we do not earn our salvation. I didn't say salvation. We've been saved. We've been washed by the blood. But I'm going to tell you, friend, there are some places and there are some things that you and I are going to have to walk through. There are some things that we're going to have to pray it through. There are some things that are going to happen and they have not come to destroy us, but rather, Sister Debbie, what would happen if we start looking at it and saying, God, I know you're not in the business of destroying me, but you are in the business of developing me. Amen. A pastor friend of mine quoted something the other day, and I thought, man, that's so good. I need to share it with my church. And he said, there's times God will plant you back in the same situation that you was in a long time ago just to see if you learned anything, just to see if you grew from anything. If you'd say, I'm caught up in the cycle. Brother Jake, I'm going around this mountain again. How come I'm facing it again? I want to tell you, child of God, it's not because God's bullying you, but I believe it is a situation where God's trying to say, I need you to recognize some things. I need you to grow through some things here. I'm trying to develop something in your life. Amen. But we stagnate because we don't like, well, I'm here again. Why am I dealing with this again? Maybe we need to take honest inventory. How have I been dealing with this? What have I been doing with this situation? God, am I, can I, can I just encourage somebody tonight? Instead of always telling God how he needs to fix something for you, maybe we should pray and say, God, what are you trying to fix in me? What are you trying to do in me? Before you cuss and carry on about the circumstance you're in and how life is unfair and how, and how you feel you've been robbed and God's treating you unfairly and, and uh, you know, and because of that, friends, I've seen people walk out of the church over some of the most petty things. I have been as a pastor. I have stood there and shook my head and not understood, not one iota, because if that's going to send you out the door, if that's going to cause you to backslide, oh, then friends, then I'll just put it to you like this. As Jesus said, that there would be those who would not be fit for the kingdom. There are those that had their hands once to the plow, but have taken their hands off and turned and looked. We've got a bunch of Lot's wives that are turning into pillars of salt because they're looking back out of what God drawed them out of. When God said, I want you to go forward, I want to tell you, if God said he's going to take you forward, then you ought to just buckle in, put your marching boots on, and say, God, if you said that's where we're going, then I believe that's where we're headed. Hallelujah. Oh, but we find, we find that there's so much, so many that are disheartened. So many that instead of gratitude... Or even, let me say this, I believe that we need a mixture of this. We need gratitude. The Word of God says to give thanks in all things. Now listen, I know you've heard it said, He didn't say give thanks for all things. Because we'd all be liars if we sat here and said we're just thankful for everything. No, you're not. And I'm not. 
There's some things, Brother Tobin, I've told you. I said, I am not thankful for this. I do not like this. Amen. But Paul said, in everything give thanks. And this is what he followed it with. For this is the will of God concerning you. When we talk about praying God's will, knowing God's will, the Bible tells us one aspect to know you're in the will of God is when there is a heart of gratitude. A heart of gratitude. And Brother Coleman, if I can't give thanks for the situation that's going on around me, I can give thanks in the fact that God still is with me. That God has not abandoned me. That God is still fighting my battles. Even Brother Marvin, when I don't see it or feel it, he is working in the situation. We need gratitude, and you know what else we need? We need some grit. Come on here. My papa, my stepdad, they were John Wayne fans. I remember watching True Grit. You can't, you can't, you can't even say it with a straight face. You got to make a make you want to grab a stick out of the yard and just chew on it. Amen. Just make you want to. I mean, True Grit. I remember that John Wayne show. Amen. Sorry, I know it's not real spiritual, but that's why my mind. But we need some grit. David, he was a young man that he had gratitude. How do you know that, Brother Jacob? Read the book of Psalms. Many of those Psalms were written while he was still a shepherd in the field. Prayers and praise that was given to God. But he also was one that had grit. He didn't just have blisters on his fingers from playing the harp. But he had blisters wore down. Amen. From practicing his slingshot. And from carrying that rod and staff. Of what it was to smite a bear and a lion. Amen. He had some grit. And he had gratitude. And he had some grace. And friends can I tell you. We are seeing a church generation. That all we want to talk about is grace. All we want to talk about is grace this and grace that and we don't want to talk about grit. We don't want to really address our lack of gratitude but I'm going to tell you if you want to walk victoriously in Christ you're going to need that combination. It's the formula that will bring you spiritual success. Amen. Once you understand that you Earn victory in those experiences, and you will have that victory, and God places in those experiences. And this is a point I want to make tonight, and the fact is because there are going to be others who will be encouraged in your experiences. Something that to me is very profound, and I've heard it more than once as people testify. I've heard, Brother Gary, people talk about it when they've been in what could be classified as a trial of their life. I've walked with people as a pastor, as a friend, as a family member, in very dark times with people. Been there when it was a child that had died. I've been there when it was a spouse that was diagnosed with terrible diseases. Been there when there was uproar in the family. Children that were rebellious or addicted or in prisons or 
worse. I've seen situations where there was tears that would fall uncontrollably, uncontrollably. Emotions that were all over the place. Been there in dark times with some people. And I can tell you this, watching and seeing that those that came through those things in victorious fashion were those who looked at those things and said, Lord, I believe that as you walk me through this, bring me through it, heal me through it, it is going to be so that I can help somebody else along the way. Because, brother and sister, I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that you can look around and you can find very quickly, Brother Jimmy, that there are people who are in some of the same places you've been and actually some that are a little worse off. Some, I say, that are worse off because the situation might resemble or mirror what you came from, but I'll say they're worse off because it could be the fact that they're going through it and they don't know Christ like you did. They didn't have the prayer group praying for them. They didn't have a pastor to help counsel them. They didn't have a church family. They don't attend a place where the Spirit of God can move and help. And they're out there and not only are they in circumstance, but they're lost on top of it. You don't have to look far and you'll see somebody. And I want to tell you tonight that in victorious living, God will bring you victory to help point somebody else, amen, to victory. To help expose Christ to somebody else. We find that in this in this, this text that we were reading here tonight, David speaks candidly to that giant. He declares how the fight's going to go. He, and I'm going to paraphrase here. He said, here's what's going to happen. He said, I'm going to take you down. And he said, as a matter of fact, he said, I'm going to take your head off. And he said, the birds of the air and the wild beasts, they're going to eat your flesh. They're going to have a picnic today on the carcass of your body. He said, I know you're big. And by the way, you're ugly too. Amen. You come to me with sword and shield. He said, but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. And he said, this is the God of the armies of Israel. You can defy him all you want. You can believe that he's not alive. You can blaspheme him all you want. You can try to intimidate. You've been on the battlefield for 40 days doing nothing but running your mouth and blaspheming the God of heaven. But I'm here to tell you God is bringing judgment on your head today, Goliath. He stood there and proclaimed the victory. It was kind of like Babe Ruth pointing out the home run hit. It was like Michael Jordan telling somebody where he's going to hit the game winner. David stood with the same confidence and said you're going to die today Goliath. I pray to God the church would wake up one more time and quit hiding in the corner and thinking the devil's always winning. Why don't we stand and say you were defeated at Calvary. The blood of Jesus is against you. You don't have any power or say so. Your end has already been determined. Hallelujah. Oh, but too often, too often we're running and hiding 
That's what the armies of Israel were doing. Picture this, a whole army hiding and one teenage boy standing out there giving that Goliath a what for. I don't advocate you getting in a brawl with somebody. But if you ever have, amen, you ever been with a buddy of yours maybe who was a little bit bigger and tougher than you? And they could, they could talk and you had confidence because you knew they could probably whip that guy. And so while they're talking, you kind of hide behind him. Yeah, yeah, just what he said, amen. You're going to deal with me, you got to get through him. Come on here. You're going to deal with me. You've got, you got to deal with him. I've seen brothers. I had two brothers at that, that, their house right next door. They fought like cats and dogs. I mean, they could hardly stand one another. But you let a neighborhood bully show up and pick on that younger brother. Big brother showed up every time. He said, you might get a hit on him, but you're going to have to deal with me. Amen. You're going to have to deal with me in this situation. And I'm going to tell you, I want you to picture all of the armies are behind David. And they're hiding out there. And I can see somebody nudging another shoulder saying, Do you hear what he just said? Can you believe what he just said? There were some, Brother Tobin, in the moment, they thought David was committing suicide. They thought there's no way this is going to turn out good. Because, you see, Goliath had already said, If we win, you're our slaves. If you win, we'll be slaves to you. They were all terrified. They were all paralyzed. And yet this young man stood. But I believe with every sentence. I believe with every stand. And when they saw David take off and run towards that Goliath, I can see him slide to the edge of their seat and say, hang on a second. I think there's something getting ready to happen. Don't turn away now. Don't change the channel now. There's getting ready to be some bloodshed. There's getting ready something going to take place. And they were all astounded when that rock landed right between his eyes and the Bible said that he fell down flat on his face and to add insult to injury David pulled that sword out of Goliath's sheath and took his head off with his own sword and the Bible said when that happened the armories of Israel they shouted a shout and they ran out of that foxhole and pursued the Philistines. Why? Because they were encouraged by the experience and the victory of one young man. Somebody shout and say, it just takes one. Come on here. It just takes you, brother, sister, to be one in your family, be the one on your job, be the one in the circle of friends. Be the one in your church. God knows we need you here. God knows we want you here. I understand if not everybody's going to be walking and living in victory. But just give me four or five of you. And if we can get four or five walking in victory. It will become contagious. In the church. Breaks my heart you go into some places and they're just a spirit of defeat. Nobody has the victory. Nobody has the song. Nobody's able to worship. Everybody act like their dog died. Everybody's just, come on here. Ain't no life. 
We got too many churches dried up and dead sitting on street corners. Come on here. And the world's going to hell. And the world is dealing with problems. And there are people fighting addictions. And there are families that are messed up. Yeah, they can come into your church with a shirt and a tie and a jacket on. They can come in with their hair did and perfume. But they got problems like you. And they're fighting devils like you. And their kids are fighting hell like yours. And their marriages are under attack like yours. So why don't we make a decision and say we ought to live up to the name? It says out there on the sign, Victory Temple. And I think it's good. Let this be a house of victory where people walk in victory, live in victory, serve God in victory. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't say the house of perfect people. Boy, wouldn't that be false advertisement. It doesn't say the first church of all the have it all togethers. That ain't us. I could pass this mic around tonight, and if, a big if, if everybody would be honest, they could tell you things that make your head spin. They could tell you things that turn your face red. They could tell you things, and you thought, you mean to tell me, Brother Marvin? I mean, I look at him, Mr. Steady, steadfast, consistent. And he's fighting that kind of hell? He's going through that? You mean to tell me Kenneth Hemphill for years seeing the glory down and living for God and you mean to tell me he's fighting that kind of battle? Yes, sir. We are. We are. But your experience will pull an army out of a foxhole. The Bible says that when they left out after those Philistines, they didn't quit whipping them. They went down through three towns and valleys. And it said that while they were at it, they came back after all the Philistines laid in defeat. And they went back and said, well, let's go take a look in their tents and let's see what goods they have. And it said they spoiled their tents. I want to remind you tonight, church, Brother Danny, if you'd come. I want to remind you tonight... I know the enemy is intimidating. I know it's a loud bark. Should I say a loud roar? Because the Bible says he's like a roaring lion. I know there's times, Sister Anna, you can wake up and you're dealing with a day that can have you so intimidated. Situations that are way over our heads. But I want to tell somebody, you have already earned some victories. And I want you to know that as you continue to walk in victory, Sister Jerry, that experience is going to encourage somebody else. There's somebody sitting beside you. Somebody sits around you in the vicinity of your section of the church. Somebody, Brother Eddie... You may not realize it, but somebody is watching every time you go to the altar. Someone, Sister Debbie, is listening every prayer request service as you faithfully raise your hand. Someone, Brother Marvin, you may not, you may think it's nothing to you. 
but they're watching as you're faithfully at your post. That means something to somebody. One of the things that happens is, is often we come to believe that our life, our testimony, our experiences are insignificant. The enemy loves to make us feel insignificant. You don't have a platform. You don't have people, especially in the day and age where, you know, everybody's worried about followers and likes and how many views and how many of this, how, clicking on profiles and all this kind of stuff. Let me tell you something. Don't get caught up in that. You might say, well, I don't have this platform or I don't teach this class or I don't do this thing. But Sister June, I'm going to tell you something. If you were absent, your testimony, your experiences would be missed. Sister Gwen, those testimonies, those experiences, they encourage somebody else. And so I want to encourage you. Be strong and of good courage. Keep fighting the fight. Stand on that battleground. Quit backing away and quit running off and quit hiding out. Brother Eli, you're fighting for noble causes. It's not fame and notoriety and position and power. It's wrapped up in those who you love the most, your wife and your babies and your family. You've got a sister, you've got loved ones that your experience is going to encourage. Brother Coleman, you've got a community of people that your experience is going to encourage them. I know it's not always fair. I know you would like, it'd be probably nice to have a little bit of a break from some of the hard times. But your experience is encouraging somebody. Because that ministry, this ministry, the work of the kingdom, it goes beyond us. And it touches and permeates all kinds of people. And if our experience is not encouraging somebody else, then Brother Marvin, the experience dies off. We've got a generation. Why do I fight for Pentecost so much? Is because I don't want Pentecost to die with this generation right here. I don't want it to. I know they don't understand it all. Boy, the other night you had Audrey and Allie up here, them girls just praying their hearts out, crying, weeping. Sister Janie, when one would get loud, the other one would get louder. When that one would get louder, then the other one. They'd have a little competition and there'd be some stick in the mud who'd come by and say, you need to hush them up and set them down. No, sir, I'll set you down. You let them babies pray. They may not know it all right now, Brother Gary. They may not understand it all. They just might be having a competition on who can cry and shout the loudest. But let them do it. Because I'm going to tell you one day, Brother Eli, when it's your babies up here and they're seeking the Lord. And when it's others that are up here seeking the Lord. There's going to come a day that when they're little and they don't know it all. But Sister Gwen, there's going to be a service when the Holy Ghost sets down on them. When the Spirit of God fills them. Why, Brother Jake, do you say that? Because the Bible said that our sons and our daughters.
elders will prophesy. So it's not just for the elders and not just for the middle age or just for the teenagers. Let the babies pray. Let them worship. Let them do something. Because your experience is encouraging them. And I want it to live on. I want it to live on. Don't want it to die here. You can, work, you, you can sit there and not worship if you don't want to. Service after service, you can fold your hands and mute your lips, talk to your neighbor, and act like ain't nothing going on. Never come to the altar. You go ahead and do that. But I'm going to tell you, even that experience is encouraging certain behavior in your family. Didn't know I'd go there, but I did. You never pray, mom and dad. Don't expect those babies to pray. Church ain't important to you. You'd rather watch a ball game. You'd rather, you'd rather go on the deer hunt. You'd rather do, do this or do that. If you can play soccer on Saturday night, and you can't be in church on Sunday, be careful them babies are watching. And when I say babies, I'm not just talking 2, 3, and 4. I'm talking 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. You hear what I'm saying? They're watching. They're smarter than you think. They're paying attention. They hear your conversations. They're watching your example. So be careful because your experience where you are is going to encourage them or discourage them. I want folks encouraged by my experience. I want folks to know God loves them. Because Brother Hemphill, I can tell them God loved me. I want folks to know God can save their family because He saved mine. I want God to know that He can deliver them and fill them and love them and call them to the work of God. And they can be good husbands and good fathers. They can be good leaders in the church. They can be productive. They can be contributors to the things in the kingdom of God. It can happen. But our collective experiences have got to encourage. It's got to. And it will. Whether for good or whether for bad. Can we stand all over this house? Every head bowed and every eye closed just out of respect to the Lord. Tonight, I don't know every place of battle that you're in. I don't know every trial you're up against. I, I'm not aware of every situation. But here's what I do know is that God wants to not only work and prove himself in those things, but those things that you come through victoriously is going to encourage a multitude of people around you. It will. It will encourage. And maybe you're here tonight and you've thought, Lord, I don't know why I'm in this. I don't know why I'm dealing with it. Like I said earlier, maybe our prayer should be, instead of asking why, God, why this, why that, maybe you should start saying, Lord, what are, what are you teaching me? What do you want to develop in me? How do you want me to come through this experience 
so that I can encourage my family, my friends, my church. I want to be an encourager. And that's going to come through your experience. Victory has been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not if, it's when. God works in our favor. And I encourage you tonight all over this house, if you'd say, I want my experience to encourage someone. I want the Lord to help me, challenge me, deal with me. If that's us tonight, why don't we come find ourselves a place to pray in this house. Before we leave here tonight, let's find ourselves a place and say, Lord, would you help me? Lord, would you challenge me? Lord, would you speak to me? Lord, maybe there's some things. I want you to allow the Holy Ghost to deal with you about your experiences. Because it could be that your experiences are not helping, but maybe it's hurting. Maybe there's some things you need to let the Holy Ghost challenge you over. Take some inventory over and say, God, what can I do better in my experience? God, what can I do better, amen, in my walk? How can I live and be victorious in such a way that I encourage somebody around me? Oh, that I encourage somebody to keep going on. That I encourage somebody. Oh, that you are a healer. That you are a restorer of families. Lord, that you are a help. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord.